0: Or you can find us at our website, MedoraChurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today.
1: If you'll open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Does anybody feel good in the house today? Isn't it good to be in the house of God? Hasn't God been moving these past few services? Man, MPC is in the midst of revival. We're not about to be in it. We're not going to be in it. We're in it. We're in revival. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 1. This opens up what we like to call the Beatitudes. Everybody say the Beatitudes. Beatitudes. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But here in verse number six, this is where I want to get my focus from. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Everybody say, blessed are they which do hunger. I'm gonna preach to you on this topic, and I know you're probably gonna hate me for it because everybody likes talking about food on Sunday morning, but are you hungry? Is anybody hungry in this place? Is anybody hungry? Come on, let's put our Bibles down, and let's just clap our hands and give a shout of thanks unto God. Lord, we're so thankful for you. We're thankful for what you're going to do today, Jesus. You're going to move today, and we thank you for it, God. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know if anybody can guess from my tile screen that my lovely wife made But it's a very specific type of candy bar. I know Bishop already said, can anybody guess? Snickers. Snickers. Does anybody love Snickers in this place? (laughs) The Lord be with you. I'm just not a chocolate guy. So this is, you know this is from God whenever I'm preaching about chocolate because I don't like it. I really don't. I don't know about you, but when I hear that name Snickers that it's one of the top chocolate bars out there. It's the number one. It's the best. Like I said, I wouldn't know, because I'm not a fan of chocolate. However, I want to take some time to talk about the famed candy bar, Snickers. Campaign US wrote a specific piece about Snickers, and how in the years 2007 to 2009, the Snickers sales begin to lag. And since 1980, the Snickers bar had been the number one candy bar. They had been number one since 1980, but here in 2007, we see that their sales begin to plummet. The company itself and the production—the company itself of the candy bar was actually growing, but in that time, sales were rapidly depleting, and they lost the world's leading candy bar. Oh no, Snickers! It didn't affect me. The problem that the famed candy bar would face is that when the consumer was faced with a choice between Snickers, they were also faced with the choice of every other candy bar that was competing. You see, you know what I'm talking about. You walk into the gas station, you're going to that candy aisle. I don't know who walks into a gas station and doesn't go to the candy aisle. I mean, who just goes there to only buy gas? That's weird. You go in, and you go to that candy aisle, and I'm, I literally say you walk to the chocolate aisle. I don't go there anymore. That's not for me. Like I said, I pass on that junk. But you walk over to the candy bar aisle, and you see all those heavy hitters. I mean, I'm talking, there's Snickers, but there's also Reese's. There's Twix. There's Hershey's. There's Butterfingers. There's Babe Bruce, There's Heath's. There's Almond Joy. I don't like chocolate. I know that's junk. <laughs> <laughs> Kit Kat. That, now that's a okay. I can respect Kit Kat. And that was a problem to the big old number one Snickers, was that there were some other heavy hitters there. But what the Mars company wanted uh, realized is that if you wanted the consumer to go after what you're selling you had to make it immediately recognizable. They just had to glance at it, to just glance at the label and know exactly what that is, and that was supposed to be exactly what they needed. The best way that the Mars creative team could come up with was rebranding and having a new catchphrase. Does anybody know that new catchphrase? You're not you when you're hungry. You're not you when you're hungry. For when they came up with that instantly recognizable catchphrase, you're not you when you're hungry, they wanted to use something that would hit every single person at a very important level. And what was that? Their hunger. Everyone to ever live has faced a time of hunger. And so the Mars Candy Bar Company who was promoting their number one seller, Snickers, knew to target the number one need of every single living person. And that was their hunger. I asked this question, church, are you hungry? Are you hungry? And because of their new idea, their rebranding, and their new catchphrase, in one year, Snickers bar sales increased by over 15%. They now became back at the very top of number one. Two years in lagging where they dropped down and lost their ranking. In one year, by rebranding, by hitting the tone of hunger, they reached number one again. All because they focused on the hunger of the people. I want you to know, church, today that there is power in your hunger. There is power in your thirst. It sparks something inside of you that was put there for a reason. There is a drive inside of each and every one of us that is sparked when we are hungry. Because when you're hungry, things begin to change inside of you. Emotions begin to change. Ideas begin to change. Because when you're truly hungry for something, you seek it out. So I ask church, are you hungry? Are you hungry? for something more i'm not talking about a snickers bar i'm talking about something more because today i want you to realize you're not you when you're hungry everybody say you're not you when you're hungry I almost named my title that, and I thought, you know what, that would probably be bad because it's probably copyrighted, and I'm going to get sued because, you know, this is just going everywhere. You know, millions of people are going to see this in Jesus' name, and I'm just going to get sued, and I just really don't want to deal with that. I'm I'm kidding. Mark tells us in chapter 5 about a certain woman. Everybody say a certain woman. This woman's not even named. Mark didn't even take the time to write out her name. We preach about this woman all the time. We hear her story. She is preached about. She is taught about. We have deciphered her story as long as the hills. We talk about her all the time. But this unnamed woman stood out to me when I think of the word hunger. You see, this woman had a blood issue. And the Bible does not name what kind of disease she had. We don't know exactly the type of disease that she had. The doctors did not name it. If they did, the writer just didn't tell us. Wasn't important enough. All we know is that it was an issue of blood. Morgan writes in his commentary on Mark chapter 5 and verse 25, and I quote, By the very law of her people, she was divorced from her husband. She could not live in her home. She was ostracized from all society and must not come into contact with her old friends, unquote. Mark chapter five and verse 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. You see, this woman dealt with the pain. And she dealt with the shame and the pity and the isolation for 12 years. She was acquainted with that of the leopards, if that paints a picture in your mind. She was unclean. Everywhere she went, she had to declare who she was and how she was unclean. That way people could step away from her. If she had a family, the Bible doesn't tell us that, but they would have to leave her. The only people that would see her were the doctors, and the doctors are now telling her, we've done all that we can. There's nothing we can do for you. You are dying. She saw every single doctor that she could. She would have taken her life savings All that time she worked saving her money, and she spent it on doctors, she spent it on treatments, she spent it on medicines just to see if they could treat her disease. The verse tells us that this woman spent everything she had, she was alone and in isolation, and now she had no money. Not only did she spend all her money on all these different things, but the Bible also says even though she spent everything she had, the situation didn't get better. It got worse. Her disease got worse. Everything she did, every trial she went through, every medicine, every experimental treatment was all in vain. So this woman contracted a disease And this disease was shown to be too great for the doctors of this world. Modern medicine wasn't working. Experimental treatments weren't working. This woman would have lost her children, her husband, her family, her relatives, her friends, her church. She was all alone with a disease that was killing her slowly. She tried everything and it took 12 years for her to spend everything that she had, and now she is alone with a dying disease and she can't even pay for her next meal. It seems as though this woman is at the end of her rope. Now, looking at this story, it really opened my eyes to how truly this situation was horrible to this woman. It really looks like all hope is lost. The doctors would have told her, we can't help you. There's nothing we can do. It's just too far. It's just all over your body. It's everywhere. We can't tell you where it's not. The disease is everywhere. There's no hope. We can't do you. And we we could just help the pain. We could just numb the pain. We could just give you a couple more days. We don't expect you to live another six years. We don't expect you to live another year, another six months, another three months. We expect you to die any day now. You're not gonna live for much longer. But Mark 5 27 says, When she heard of jesus when she heard of jesus let me say it again when she heard of jesus I'm telling you, I could end my message right here, and right now, it would be enough. Twelve years, she ch- went through trials. Twelve years, she saw doctors. Twelve years, she went through medicines and treatments. In twelve years, she lost her money. In twelve years, she no longer could buy a meal. But when she heard of Jesus, things change when I hear about the name of Jesus. Jesus. This story opens up with such a sad and depressing tone. She's dying. She's done all she can. Her story is over. There is no hope for this woman. Her relatives are gone. Her husband was gone. Her family was gone. Her friends were gone. Her church was gone. Her doctors were gone. But when she heard of a man they named Jesus... All it took was to hear that name. This woman would be at the end of her line. What would have looked like the end for you and for me just added to her hunger. You see, she she could have had, Brother Wilkes talked about, you can't hold the flag of victim or victor. She could have held that victim flag and said, I've been doing this for 12 years. I've battled this disease for 12 years. I've spent every dime I have. Everyone that should have been there for me has left me, and I'm by myself. So much so, I can't find a place to stay. I can't sleep right. I'm dying, and I don't have food because I spent all my money. She could have said, Woe was me. Oh, woe was me. I'm dying. I'm just going to sit here and die nobody's gone through what i've done but she didn't have that mentality she put down that victim flag and she picked up the flag that said i don't care what the odds are i don't care what the doctors have told me i don't care what this world's physicians have told me it's just adding to my hunger i've got to go see jesus You see all the odds that were stacked against her would drive her hunger. It added to her drive. And look what happened because of an unnamed woman became hungry for Jesus. In verse 27, and when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch his clothes... I shall be whole. I may be whole. I think I could be whole. If I did this, I might just feel a little better. Maybe the pain would go away. If I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. This woman had made her mind up before Jesus even stepped into her town, into her street. I ask it again today, church. Are you hungry for Jesus? Are you hungry for a move of God? Are you hungry for the things of the Lord? Are you hungry for revival? Oh, She knew that if I could just touch his clothes, I know my husband doesn't want me anymore, but I know my family doesn't want me anymore, but I know my relatives doesn't want anything to do with me, but I know my church family has left me and nowhere to be found. But I know that through it all, I know if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. Bishop writes in his commentary on this verse, Did she know about the anointing of the high priest where the oil ran down his garment in Psalms 133 and 2? It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment. But let me tell you, Aaron's anointing has nothing on the anointing that flows with the presence of God. This was no mere priest. This man was not in worldly priesthood. This was not Aaron or one of his sons. No, this wasn't just another run-of-the-mill priest. This was the high priest. This was anointing from God Almighty walking on the street. Mark chapter 5 and verse 29. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out, he turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? You see, I want you to know something. Jesus wasn't there for the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus was passing by. The presence of God was just moving. And she just tapped in to the moving presence. Not the presence that was already there. The presence that was moving somewhere else. And she said, if I could just get a hold to the very littlest bit I can. I won't just be healed. My blood won't just be restored, but I'll be made whole. That doesn't mean that I won't have the issue of blood anymore, but that means I get my family back. I get my husband back. I get my children back. I get my church back. I get my relatives back. You see, when she said, I don't need God to be standing in front of me, I just got to get a hold of his passing presence. This woman wouldn't need an audience. She didn't need Jesus to lay His hands on her. He didn't. She didn't need Jesus to put anointing oil in her head, in His hands and touch her head so that she could be healed. She didn't want Jesus to come to her house. You see, when you are truly hungry, your hunger drives you to desperation. You seek it out. I can't tell you a time that I've been hungry and my food came to me. Amen? Every time I've been hungry to the point of desperation, I've always sought my fulfillment out. This woman was hungry. This woman was desperate. And she said, I need something. So I'm going to seek it out. If you were truly hungry for revival, if you were truly hungry for a move of God, you wouldn't sit on your hands in the church. You wouldn't twiddle your thumbs as the man of God stands behind this pulpit every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Tuesday night. You wouldn't wait for God to come to you. Oh God, we want revival. Oh God, we need revival. Oh God, move in our town, move in our communities, move in my family. You got to come to me. I'm not going to do anything. You got to come to me. If you truly want revival, if you truly hunger for it, you'll seek it out. You'll seek God out. You'll seek the move out. You'll seek revival out. You'll seek those souls out. It's about a hunger. It's about a desperation that says, I need it. I got to have it. One way or another, I'm going to find it. I'm going to get that revival because there's something inside of me that says, I need that fulfillment. It's time that the church would get hungry and go to God. Everybody say, go to God. Mark chapter 5 and verse 31. Because look what happens to the hungry. And his disciples saying unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging about thee, and sayest thou, who touched me? Jesus, there's a crowd. Everybody's touching you. You're famous. Who's to say who touched you and who didn't? I mean, come on. There's all sorts of people. And he looked around about to see her. Jesus asked the question. But yet he already knew. He felt the virtue go out of him. When you truly need Jesus, he knows what you need. And it ain't a Snickers. It ain't a twiddly little thing of revival. You see, God can't, con- the all-powerful and all-knowing God can't control how much he blesses you. Because when you're truly hungry and you truly seek it out, it is in God's nature to just Give. My cup overfloweth. My cup is overflowing of revival and of blessing. All you got to do is put your cup underneath the throne room of heaven and say, I'm here, God. I'm coming to you. Fill me up until I overflow. Fill me up until I am overcome with healing and with virtue. That wasn't even in my notes. I'm sorry. But the, he, he said, he looked around about her to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell before him. Here's another thing. She didn't need anyone to tell her that she was healed. Nobody can tell me when I'm full. When I'm at Gone corral and I'm throwing all that slop. On my plate. Y'all, thank you, Jesus, for going crown. That's one of my favorite plates. I'm throwing that steak on there. I'm throwing that Bourbon Street chicken on there. I'm throwing rice on there. Man, I'm throwing pizza on there, mac and cheese. But by God, if you tell me I'm done, I might smack you across the face. You leave me be because only I know when I am fulfilled. Only I know when I am satisfied. Only I know when I'm done because that woman had made up in her mind. Only I know that I'm healed. I don't need somebody to tell me. I don't need someone to confirm it in me that revival's moving. I know in myself. Good Lord. That wasn't even in my notes. So she fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, he said unto her, uh-huh. daughter, that faith, let me put in a word, thy hunger had made thee whole. Now go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Jesus, in the midst of the crowd, wasn't even there. The woman wasn't even named. He wasn't even there to heal her. He was on his way to raise a little girl from the dead. But in the midst of the presence of God moving, that woman said, I'm hungry, and I'm just going to get a taste. Somebody get a hold of what I'm saying. You see, Jesus wasn't there to heal that woman. He wasn't there to lay hands on her. In fact, he was just walking past her. Jesus had other things on his mind. But you see, when the presence of Jesus was just passing through, I just need to get a touch of the hem of his garment. And I know I shall be whole. Hunger makes you do some crazy things. Anybody ever heard of the word hangry? Thank you, Brother B. Y'all, I get hangry. That means you're angry when you're hungry. I, maybe just everyone's perfect around here, but I, I get pretty frustrated when I'm, when I'm hungry. Hunger makes you do some crazy things. They seem Irrational. They change your emotions. Hunger pushes you. Hunger, if managed correctly, can go into determination. And in this woman's case, hunger turned into her healing. In verse 34, I want you to get this. In verse 34 of Mark chapter 5, the word faith. Thy faith had made thee whole. In the Greek, it's pistis which in turn means a moral conviction of the truthfulness of God or the absolute reliance on Christ for salvation. Their doctors gave her no hope. They may have said, you should have thrown in the towel. It's over. You're done. You're dying. Nobody wants you. Go away. Go into the hill country somewhere and die. Your family doesn't want anything to do with you. You're unclean. We don't want anything about you she's broke and she's dying her situation said it was over but her hunger said it will be done Let me say it again. Her situation said it was over, but her hunger said, I know that if I just get a hold of the presence of Jesus, I shall be made whole. I would to God that we would become a hungry church, a church that says, I'm not satisfied. You can't tell me when revival's over. You can't tell me when it's all said and done. You can't tell me that's the last person to be baptized. You can't tell me that's the last person to get the Holy Ghost. I'm not done until I'm done. I'm not done until I'm satisfied. I would to God that nobody would be satisfied until we stand before heaven almighty on the other side of this world. Six baptisms and six getting the Holy Ghost are not enough for me. It's not enough, it's not enough. People walking in from the streets is not enough for me. Miracles are not enough. Signs and wonders are not enough. I'm hungry for more. Are you hungry for more, church? Are you hungry for revival? Are you truly hungry? Are you hungry for the river? are you hungry for salvation to flood the streets are you hungry for healing in your body are you hungry for the product to come home are you hungry for salvation are you hungry for revelation are you hungry for the word are you hungry for being made whole are you hungry for restoration do you hunger for salvation are you hungry Y'all, I'm not talking about a little sneaky snack that you get up at 2 a.m. and make because you don't want to wake your parents up. I'm not talking about something that just a simple little Snickers can fix. I'm talking about something that says, I won't be satisfied with just a piddly little revival. I'm not satisfied with mediocre worship. I'm not satisfied with loose doctrine. I'm not satisfied with just the bare minimum. I'm actually saying, church, I'm sincerely asking you, are you hungry? Right.
0: We are in a move,
1: and only the hungry are going to advance. We are in a move of God, and only the hungry shall be restored. Only the hungry shall receive their healing. Only the hungry shall be brought up. Are you hungry for a true apostolic move of God? Are you hungry for a day of Pentecost move? Are you hungry for a day where 3,000 were added unto them? We think that's impossible in this church. The doctors told that woman it was impossible for her to get over her disease. But look what happened to the hungry. Everybody say, Are you hungry? You may think that's all crazy, that what I'm preaching is crazy. And if you do, I don't care. Because I've heard of a man named Jesus. Mark 5 and 34, we see the word whole twice. Can you put that up there? And he said to her daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Here's the thing. In the Greek, that's two different words. Same word, but two different meanings. And the first one that we see, thy faith hath made thee whole. This one in the Greek is sozo. This translates to, to heal or to preserve. So that makes sense, you know, you've been healed. But the second one, and be whole of thy plague. This one in the Greek is, this one's a fun one, hygiase, ace. and this translates to make whole until fulfillment, to make whole until fulfillment. Everybody say fulfillment. So let's read verse 34 like this. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith had made thee healed. You've been preserved. Your disease is gone. That sickness is gone. You're healed. Go in peace and be fulfilled from that plague. If you're hungry today, church, there is only one way of fulfillment, and that is Jesus Christ are you hungry church i'm not selling for healing i'm wanting to be made whole you see the enemy has taken enough from us and i'm not satisfied with just getting it back i want the spoils of what he took are you hungry church now someone who could have learned the importance of hunger would be the story of Joash, the king of Israel. 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse 14 says, Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon The bow. And he put his hand upon it, and Elisha put his hands upon the king's hand and said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from the Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou hast consumed them. You see, the Israelites were in the midst of wartime with the Syrians, King Joash was in the middle of losing his covering. Elisha was dying. His prophet was dying. His connection to God was dying. You see, God was the only way that Israel has ever succeeded. And he's losing his connection to his victory. His only way to victory was dying. And in his last act as the voice of God for Israel... Elisha called for the king, and he told King Joash, these arrows represent the Lord's deliverance over Israel. The king could have shot as many times as he wanted. He could have shot every single arrow that was within the kingdom. But look at what happens in verse 18. And he said, take the arrows, and he took them, and he sent them, the king of Israel, smite upon the ground and look at this. And he smote thrice. He smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him. That's a fun word, wroth. He's mad. He's ate up. He is ticked off. And said, thou should have smitten five or six times. Thou would have smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas you're only going to beat him three times. Because you didn't have the hunger for victory. Joash could have had as much victory as he wanted. The problem was he didn't have the desperation inside of him. He didn't have the want inside of him. He didn't have the hunger for it inside of him. Think of it this way joash could have had the big old ribeye the filet mignon big old fat steak he cut three little pieces and said yeah that's it that's all i want what an idiot what an idiot joash had every opportunity for victory for prosperity he could have saved the lives of his men in the army that died when the moabites came that very next year he could have had more but look at this church he settled he settled somebody say he settled He could have had the whole victory. He could have had the whole mess. He could have had revival. He could have had victory. He could have had this. He could have had that. He could have had this. But he said, nah, I'm done with just this little bit. And because of that, Israel lost. I want to let you know this today, church, that as long as I stand here today, I will not be settled to what God is doing for us. Yes, I am eternally grateful for what the Lord has done in 107 years in this amazing assembly. However, I will not settle. This is not the end. Miracles are not the stopping here. There is more for us. There is more for me and there is more for you. There's more for your family. There's more for this town. There's more for this community. There's more for this county. There's more for this state. There's more for this country. There's more for this continent. There's more for this world. I am not settling. Until I am fulfilled. And it isn't a question of is there. Is there an ability for revival? Is there revival? Is there miracles? Is there signs and wonders? The question is, are we hungry enough for it? The unnamed woman was hungry and she received healing and fulfillment. The kings settled with just a little, little bitty victory and they were overcome and he died. So, where is your level of determination? Where's your hunger, church? where's your thirst church do you hunger for righteousness do you hunger for revival is there something brewing inside of you that says I'm not satisfied until there's more I need more I need to consume it Lord I need more of you I hunger for the throne room of heaven I thirst after the things of God I need that holy anointing I need holy virtue flowing from heaven I need it I need it I need it I need it Are you hungry, church? Going back to the famed candy bar, Snickers, and the Mars Company. In the creation of their new slogan, they realized something, and that was three points. One was that memories are fragile, two, penetration is king. And three, brands are substitutable. The first one, memories are fragile. People are always on the verge of forgetting your brand. Two, penetration is king. Growth comes from attracting more buyers to your brand. Growing. Getting more people in three brands are substitutable there is a wide array of choices for the buyers and the buyers will most likely buy into the brand that comfortably meets their needs are you getting what i'm saying are you getting what i'm trying to put down that's all fine and dandy mars bars for those chocolate lovers, God bless each and every one of them, they need it. But let me tell you, church, I kinda like their slogan. You're not you with your hungry. You bet your boots, I'm not me when I'm hungry. Because when I'm hungry, I'll press through that crowd i'll push and shove everybody that shouldn't even be near me to get to the presence of god you bet i'm not me when i'm hungry because i'm not going to be satisfied until i have the victory until i have the victory over those syrians i'm not going to be satisfied you bet your boots i'm not me when i'm hungry Because when you're hungry, something begins to rise inside the very depths of your being. Let me tell you this. I'm not going to forget that day I heard about Jesus. Is there anybody with me? That day where he brought you out of that miry clay. I'll never forget that day, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, memories are fragile. Memories are fragile. Forget about your brand. You, let me tell you this we wear the brand of Jesus, and that's a brand I'll never forget. I'll never forget that day on October 27, 2005, right here. It looked a little different then, but I received the Holy Ghost. I went back in this room. I was baptized in the name of Jesus. I'll never forget that day for the rest of my life because I was hungry. I'll never forget that day that I was in the Philippines in the midst of a conference and I watched a woman who was confined to a wheelchair for her entire life. She was crippled. Her legs were just short little things. Her arms were short little things. She never walked in her life and I saw her leave that wheelchair at the altar walking out. She walked home and I saw at least 35 receive the Holy Ghost in one night. Why? because there is a hunger for something more let me remind you church Mars Barr said that penetration was king let me remind you brothers and sisters the church is not dying This world will tell you apostolic Pentecostalism is dying. Their numbers are dwindling. One day it will be set and gone. There will be a thing of the past. Nobody wants to hold standards anymore. Nobody wants holiness anymore. Nobody wants that. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Our numbers are growing daily. I said the numbers are growing daily. The kingdom is advancing. What was the song it said? We are marching and moving onward and upward because our army is rising up. That's not just talking we're going up. It says we're growing up. We're standing up. Our numbers are growing. We are not dying. The church is not dead. We are not a lackluster church. We are not a lukewarm church. We are growing and we are marching on to victory. It is not, is it not because this church, MPC, did we not raise $10,000 so that we could equip our missionaries to Uganda, the spears? We gave them the ability to equip their ministers with motorcycles so they can reach lost souls in Uganda. That is six motorcycles. They could carry, y'all, I've seen them put like three or four people on those motorcycles. They could go out into these villages and save a lost and dying world you tell me the church is dying I'll tell you sister Emily can be a witness to 500 ministers in Uganda coming up and saying, I might have been Trinitarian but I'm baptized in the name of Jesus I accept the oneness tell me my church is dying tell me my my kingdom is dying and I'll show you some numbers We don't think that's that big of a deal. We're like, oh, we hear about that all the time. Let me tell you, it was 500 ministers, pastors, pastors. Let's say every pastor had a congregation like this. 100 or so people. 500 times 100. Can you imagine the numbers in one day? The real problem is is that we as Americans have a substitutable society. Anything can feed us. I ain't got my phone, baby. Can I see your phone? What are we doing every day? Getting on our feed. What's feeding you? I got to see this social media feed. I got to get, get on Facebook. I got to get on Instagram because that's where I get my satisfaction. That's where I get my fulfillment. That's where I got to see who I am. I got to get my identity from these people that I follow. I got to have followers and I got to have likes because that's where I get my fulfillment. I got to have people telling me that I'm pretty. I got people have telling me that I'm strong and that I'm cool and that I could do this and i do that because that's where I get my fulfillment. You see, we go to this slop every day to receive our fulfillment, but there's people in Uganda that don't have anything. Why do they have Reve- Bible and it seems like America does not is because they're hungry for something more they are truly hungry there is a desperation it is only we will see revival in America when the American society becomes truly hungry for something that we cannot substitute do you believe what I'm saying does it make sense are you hungry church Are you going to be like the king who was rarely talked about? Well, you don't really hear people preach about the king. And if you do, it's about him failing. Are you going to be like the king who settled? Or the woman whose name isn't even mentioned? And we preach about her all the time. We talk about her story all the time. The writer thought her name wasn't even needed. Her disease wasn't even needed to be named. We talk about her all the time. Why? Why? It was her hunger that set her apart. It was her determination that set her apart. Do you want to be remembered in the eons of time? You better get hungry now. You better have determination now. You better have a made-up mind now that says, I will not be satisfied until I am fulfilled through Christ. Not this world. Not this slop. Not through social media. Not through the mess that's in this world. Not through some Hollywood star. Not through some politician. I don't get my ideologies from the White House. I don't get my identity from Donald Trump. I don't get my identity from Joe Biden. I get my fulfillment through Jesus Christ. Savannah, you're getting ready to go to college. Let me tell you this. This world, this college, it's going to throw substitutes your way. Can I have a church that says amen? Amen. These campuses are strongholds. But if an apostolic person who was hungry can make their way through the crowd and stay connected to the presence of Jesus, what could happen? What could happen? What if it was up to a young person going to college and she stayed connected with the presence of God and she could change the identity of that campus? Do we believe in church? Is our God not a God that can move into our campuses and change them from spiritual strongholds of the enemy to spiritual strongholds for the kingdom? I'm not talking crazy. I believe that God has the power to tear down strongholds and to build his own. All it takes is someone who's hungry. Stand with me. Music could come. If you're hungry, I want you to lift your voice right now. I want you to lift your hands right now. I mean truly hungry. If you're not hungry, you can be silent. Because we're only talking to the people who are truly hungry for revival. If you are truly hungry, step out of your seat right now and come to these altars. I'm not talking, We're this isn't a church who wants some snicker kind of hunger. This is not some sneaky snack kind of hungry church. We're talking about a church who is hungry for the things of God. psalms 107 and 9 for he satisfieth my longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness i'm gonna give y'all a minute to pray one second one second i'm gonna give y'all a minute to pray and then we're gonna pray y'all didn't pastor Wilkes preach a message sunday night i'll tell you what i'm gonna do i don't know about you but this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna come here tonight and i'm gonna be hungry for something I'm going to be hungry for something more. Last Sunday wasn't enough for me. I got to have more. So let me tell you this, when the when the trash of this world tries to feed you, know this. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to talk about the beatitudes real quick and real quick and then we'll get to it. Blessed are the poor in spirit For theirs is the kingdom of heaven Blessed are they that mourn For they shall be comforted Blessed are the meek For they shall inherit the earth Blessed are the, uh, they That which do hunger and thirst After righteousness For they shall be filled Hunger in verse 6 in the Greek Is paneo Which literally turns out to mean To seek out with eager desire Do we eagerly seek That which pertaineth to God Blessed are those who eagerly seek me out for only they shall be fulfilled. Not maybe, not perhaps, not if they live perfectly, not just the pastors, not just the ministers, but they that eagerly seek me, they shall be fulfilled. The question is, how do we make others hungry? Not everybody's going to be hungry on the same level. How do we make people hungry? The true best way to make others hungry is to eat in front of them, is to be fulfilled in front of them, is to stand as healed, stand as redeemed, stand as delivered, and stand as a person who was hungry. Are you hungry for revival, church? let's pray let's pray right now don't settle this isn't enough are you gonna push through the crowds are you gonna stand in determination are you gonna stand for miracles it's up to you church are you hungry are you hungry are you hungry are you hungry are you hungry
0: thank you for listening to the MPC podcast